we can't control what comes at us every day. Like every single day, you know, unexpected things can happen in an instant. But what we can control is how we, you know, train ourselves to respond. And I definitely think, you know, having puppy cuddles or walks in nature or just downtime. And as I said before, not being busy for busy's sake, but actually taking time to breathe and feel and work out what sets your soul on fire, what makes you come alive, and actually what makes you feel calm. Because for me, business I love, and it's kind of, you know, fist pumping and high adrenaline or a Barry's class is the same kind of thing. But for me, I have to purposely almost be counterintuitive and go, okay, what's gonna make me rest? From Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted, a podcast where we share candid chats on all aspects of well-being so that you can live a healthier, more empowered life. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Gebilagen. Chances are you're familiar with Lisa Messenger. The Aussie entrepreneur is the CEO and founder of Collective Hub, a multimedia lifestyle platform that's now expanded to the US with stores selling its motivational merch. She has authored and co-authored 24 books, shares her wisdom at events all over the world, and has a devoted community of 155,000 followers on Instagram. In this episode, our managing editor, Alex Davies, catches up with Lisa, who is also an ambassador for hair care brand Purology, to dig deep on how to tap into creativity, getting people like Richard Branson to say yes to your ideas, and why it's great not to be the smartest person in the meeting room. Lisa Messenger, welcome. Thank you so much for being here with us. Alex, it is my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And we were just saying kind of before starting a recording that you're out in LA at the moment. And yeah, tell everyone, how's it going out there? It's actually amazing. I feel like I've had many false starts at the US over the years, but I feel like I'm finally, this is my 21st year of having my own business, can you believe? And I feel like I'm finally actually starting to crack the US market. And I'm just, I'm loving it. It's a great, healthy community. We're living in Venice and yeah, loads of fun. Brilliant. So obviously obviously you're over there. It's about 10am for you at the moment. So what I'd love to know is if you start your day with kind of any particular morning routine or rituals or anything, I guess, that sets you up first thing. I absolutely do. And the 10am thing is a really good segue. Uh, so I, what I always say to people is listen for the similarities, not the differences, because my life is my life and I don't have children yet, etc., etc. But I basically divide my day into two. So what I do is pre 10 a.m., I call me time and it's all about being proactive. So uh, everyone has said to me, how do you choose where you live? I basically choose where to live around the world because I travel a lot based on the gym. So I go to Barry's every morning, which I'm obsessed with at the morning, and also walkability to yoga studios and things. So pre-10am, I'll go to Barry's, I'll do some journaling, I'll do some meditating, I'll generally have a green smoothie and a coffee, and I try not to react to the world. And then post-10am, which is this time of this podcast, it's game on. So it's what I call react reactive time. So 
whatever the world needs of me, whatever the business needs, that's when I actually start responding to emails and doing podcasts and all of the other things. So yeah, my morning rituals and routines are super, super important. It's all about filling my own cup and educating myself and doing my movement and, you know, keeping my soul nourished. So super important. And you mentioned as well about for people to look, listen for the similarities, not the differences. And I, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, that idea of it doesn't have to be a one size fits all kind of approach. And I wondered what your advice is for someone thinking, I want to get a bit more for my mornings, perhaps. Yeah, so I say that because, you know, obviously some, like a lot of my friends have children and they might be up at five or 6am and to them listening to this, they'd be like, there's no way I can do that. But what I would say is, you know, create boundaries and not negotiables and make sure that you do manage to carve out time for yourself during the day, whether that's, you know, going and doing some kind of movement, exercise, meditating, you know, walking barefoot in nature, whatever it happens to be that actually gives you some time to downregulate. I think it's super, super important. So it happens to work for me. You and I were just talking as well before this that you're in the UK, I'm in LA. I have people working for me now in Canada, in France, in Australia, in the US, like all over the world. And I love this decentralized workforce. And I definitely love that finally the world is catching up and we are kind of able to work from wherever a lot of us and um, and have more flexibility and more of a lifestyle. So be unafraid to, you know, create something that works for you rather than as it's so easy to do, glorify being busy and, you know, just fitting in with everyone else's schedule. I think it's now based more on productivity and output and lifestyle. And as long as we're creating and doing the things that we need to do, be it for our families or for our jobs or whatever it is, then it can be much more balanced or, as I like to say, blended. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Kind of finding your own your own recipe for what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. And not feeling guilty about it. I think that's a really big thing as well even though I'm kind of working from wherever all over the world now as of my team even when I had a physical office which I did for 17 years of my own businesses I I still didn't start work often till 10 a.m because I wanted to make sure that I was grounded and centered and I was bringing the best version of me so yeah you've got to kind of make your own way and be unapologetic about doing so I'd love to know as well what other strategies help you look after your mental well-being. You know, you mentioned exercise there. Is that a big one for you? Exercise is a not negotiable for me. And I think when I was younger, I thought it was more for my body. And now I'm 100% convinced that it's, you know, in equal parts for my body, but probably even more so for my mind. Like it is extraordinary and I was just talking to a friend about it the other day we were like why do we love this so much and it feels great for many many reasons the endorphins and everything else but it was also just having the time and space where the external world can't come at us you know I feel like there's so many bleeps and rings and things coming from every device and so many people pulling at us from so many different directions and when I'm in a Barry's class or a yoga class or a breathwork class or a myriad of other things um, it's just time for me and I absolutely love that so yeah exercise is super important and I think again for people listen to the similarities not the differences but what I would say is 
try different things because it's not until we start trying and exploring and sometimes that's uncomfortable that we realize oh my gosh I actually love rock climbing or I love breath work or I love you know ecstatic dance or whatever it happens to be and so whilst we've been in LA I've literally just found what are the classes that are in walkable distance to be honest because I'm still too afraid to drive on the other side of the road (laughs) but I've literally in the last week done berries in the mornings and then I found a breathwork class at somewhere called open which is run by some Aussies and it's beautiful and then I went and did the class which I've heard a lot about in Australia and it happens to be in walkable distance from my house which is like this kind of crazy amazing thing that you can do online and we've been to chef for yoga and done yin classes and yeah I've just kind of explored all different things even puppy yoga which is where I ended up falling in love with um with wags and walks which is a local doggy rescue shelter and I now have a foster a foster puppy puppy of 24 hours so <laughs> oh yeah Lisa was just showing me for anyone listening the the puppy bed next to her right now so that's a yeah, new addition to your family out there Yes, but he's only with me for two weeks, so that's going to be very tricky. I've only had him less than 24 hours, and I'm already very in love with him. Oh, lovely. And people say that, don't they? I mean, I don't have an animal, but people say that pets can do wonders for your mental well-being as well. That can be a big part of what, you know, is such a lift for people. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think for any of us, you know, it's really important, especially these days, you know, there's so many people with anxiety or overwhelm or burnout or, you know, a myriad of other things that I have personally experienced. And I know a lot of people have, and I know that, you know, I often say that we can't control what comes at us every day, like every single day, you know, unexpected things can happen in an instant. But what we can control is how we you know, train ourselves to respond. And I definitely think, you know, having puppy cuddles or walks in nature or just downtime. And as I said before, not being busy for busy's sake, but actually taking time to breathe and feel and work out what sets your soul on fire, what makes you come alive and actually what makes you feel calm. Because for me, business I love and it's kind of you know fist pumping and high adrenaline or a Barry's class is the same kind of thing but for me I have to purposely almost be counterintuitive and go okay what's gonna make me rest what's gonna make me recalibrate come back to myself and you know be gentler so you know I think there's there's a space for both but definitely for our mental health it's good to be able to down regulate and create some sense of calm. Do you find that it's about recognizing that in yourself and kind of thinking, you know, how how does my heart feel right now when I'm doing something? How does my anxiety feel, my energy feel? Is it kind of that tuning in to how you're feeling to that can show you perhaps something is relaxing you or something is stressing you out? You know, what do you kind of find it's that awareness, I guess, of yourself? Yeah, it's I mean, this is such a big conversation and absolutely and just for a little bit of backstory because, you know, we all have stuff. So it's taken me a lot of years and a lot of therapy to get to where I am. And still, I don't get it right. And I've written a lot of books on the subject. But I mean, my kind of backstory a little bit was, I actually gave up drinking 18 years ago. So 8th of November, 2004. And that was because I was kind of using alcohol as a crutch. And really, at that time, I was very young, and I had no semblance of 
who I was and I was kind of living life according to other people's expectations and, you know, things would trigger me and I'd have outbursts of anger and all of this kind of thing. So it really, for me, that was the massive turning point when it was like, you know, I chose to put down the alcohol and then do the work and, you know, all sorts of, we are all different and alcohol is just the thing that I lent on, but, you know, there are all sorts of addictions or things that we, you know, fall into or you know use as a crutch so for me it's about you know how do we get that awareness and then how do we yeah as you said really feel into what's going on and kind of be okay with that you know it's okay sometimes to cry or scream or have a day off or just feel horrible and have a doona day or whatever it is um and it's also important that we understand, you know, what can move that through our bodies. How can we, you know, feel better? And for me, I've learned, you know, so many different things over the years. I mean, sometimes I'll just put on one of my favorite dance tracks and dance like a mad woman around the living room and it just moves it through my body or I'll go for a run. And this is where exercise for me and nutrition plays such a big part you know and I just realized that when I'm moving through it often it'll it'll move and I'll be like okay there it is that felt pretty yucky but I I understand it I'm aware of why and I really look it's almost like the watcher watching myself and going ah why did I respond to that ah interesting I still have that old behavioral pattern okay that's something from childhood or whatever it is so yeah awareness is absolutely key and then it's and it becomes fun. It's almost like gamifying it and going, okay, I'm starting to know myself all these years later. How do I actually move through that? What can I do about that for myself? So you've worked on so much. You've achieved so much in your career and are continuing to do so. And I wondered if it's possible for you to pinpoint one. Is there a highlight or a, a proudest moment for you so far? There's a lot of proud moments. Um, I think probably one of the biggest ones definitely was when I launched and you know women's health has been so amazing for me over the years and everyone's been so supportive on the team and I talk about this a lot when I launched Collective Hub as a print magazine in 2013 and I never worked in media and never worked for magazines and I just had this idea because I was surrounded by so many entrepreneurs and inspirational people and you know people changing the world and there were all these conversations happening behind the scenes and I just had this burning desire. I was like, I need to bring them all together in a print magazine and tell the story behind the store and make the story and make it real and raw and relatable. And I launched Collective Hub and it was insane. Within 18 months, it was in 37 countries. And within 14 months, I had this email, which just said from the office of Anna Wintour and Anna invited me to go meet with her in New York. And the next minute, Richard Branson was inviting me to Necker Island with him. And I've since shared a stage with him five times. So that was definitely a big pinnacle. And I say thank you to Women's Health and other mags because I, I still say, you know, actual editors and actual publishers. And I still think all these years later, there's a little bit of imposter syndrome that it just took off when I had no idea really what I was doing. Um, so that was definitely a highlight. And it was 12 years after I started my first business. So I often say it's kind of like an 11 or 12 year overnight success, but it happened because 
coming back to your previous question, I got really aware of who I was and what my purpose was. And I think that's such a key in life. Like when you have a deep inner knowing about this is just what I want to do, which often comes from a place of adversity or being annoyed by something. And in my case, I was like, why aren't these stories being told about entrepreneurs? And, um, and so I was courageous enough to do it. And I think when you have the courage to just start something, it's quite extraordinary, the serendipity and the synchronicity and the people that suddenly, I don't know, magically kind of get attracted to you. And so that's probably one of my proudest moments and was definitely the start of, you know, a pretty magical and tumultuous um, roller coaster of many years to follow. But yeah, definitely a proud moment there. I love what you were saying about sometimes you just need to start. Like maybe I think with anything in life, whether it's a business or something small, a work task, anything like that, I sometimes find myself, I, I put off starting something and that it, may, it overwhelms it more in your head. And sometimes when you just you just take that first step, it's it goes from there and it's not as bad as you maybe built it up in your mind to be. It's anything, absolutely. Business, we can get so overwhelmed or yet in our head it's the monkey mind we start you know this chatter and it's the same you know I've experienced that in the last few weeks in LA about exercise like it's crazy you know I would say I'm a very confident person now but even you know it takes that moment for example like going to a new yoga studio I go oh that looks fun and then there's always a slight moment of oh am I going to know what's you know what's going on am I going to be cool enough am I going to like get there on time am I going to have the right thing like still I mean that for me might only be a 30 second you know inner conversation but the the next moment is what makes us I think as people you know it's that moment when we then have the courage to say damn it I'm going to go to that class or I'm going to start that business or I'm going to go on that blind date or whatever the thing is in that moment when we're a bit uncomfortable I think, you know, there's an old adage, which is get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think it's really true because in my experience, it's from those moments when we actually allow ourselves to move forward that, you know, the magic truly happens. And if it doesn't, well, what's the worst that can happen? We we learn something about ourselves or we kind of go, well, I won't do that again, <laughs> but we've tried, you know, and if you don't try, well, you're absolutely guaranteed to fail. So just try, just start. Absolutely. And I was listening to a past interview where you spoke about the fact that uh, entrepreneurs learn to become skilled at problem solving. They develop it as a skill. And I thought that was so interesting. And I wondered if maybe you could share um, maybe a challenge or a difficult time in your career where you've had to really, you know, learn that and develop that skill. And also maybe your advice for those of us wanting to boost our problem solving ability. Uh, Such a good question. So I think that's what entrepreneurs do best is we problem solve. We see solutions where others don't. And that's probably almost my main skill. I mean, I'm a great connector and I'm good at other things, but I'm also really terrible at a lot of things. But what I'm able to do is um, look at a situation and then ask the right questions. So it's kind of interesting and a lot of people might relate to this. When I was at school many years ago, I used to ask, but why, but why, but how, but how all the time. And it used to really annoy the teachers. It was looked as you know, oh, that little brushy, annoying kid. And most of the time I was like thrown out of the classroom or sent to the headmistress's office. Um, 
my maths teacher, Mr. Kamarami, I still remember, literally picked me up while I was still sitting on my chair, carried the chair with me sitting on it outside, put me outside the door because I was always always asking, but how, but how, but why, but why? And the funny thing about that is it is that skill set now as an entrepreneur that is the strongest thing I can do because I can now sit confidently in any boardroom or with any group of people across pretty much any industry and I do it all the time because I mentor a lot of people now and here's a great secret when you don't know something specifically you're actually probably almost one of the most qualified people in the room unless it's like brain surgery or something that needs actual qualifications and the reason is and I go back to when I started the magazine Everyone often does things the way they've always been done. And that's the same for any industry, right? It's like, oh yeah, so we make the revenue by selling ads or subscriptions. And it's only when you come in and you go, hang on, I don't even know how to sell an ad. No one's going to believe in me yet. Oh, I'm just going to try and do something completely different. So it's the ability to ask the right questions, really. So I would say to anyone who wants to start a business or, you know, try something new, try an art class, try anything, just ask the right questions. And it's extraordinary how you just keep asking them and then you keep working through. And there is not a day that goes by where I don't have probably 20 to 50 problems to solve because there's so much newness, even 21 years into my business, you know, we're expanding in the US at the moment in a big way. There are 52 states here that all have different nuances and every single day and problem solving and um, it's fun and you've got to learn to surround yourself with people who are actually much smarter than you like it's okay to be the the silliest person in the room in fact it's a great thing just ask the right questions something I wanted to ask you about is creativity and coming up with ideas and it's something it's a huge part of your world and it's often a part of most of our daily lives and you know um, I know it's part of my career of jobs and things like that and but it can be hard to tap into sometimes I think when we're busy or we're tired or we're swept up in the kind of day-to-day life and I'd love to know what helps you to cultivate creativity and kind of come up with ideas and I wondered if there was anything that helps you tap into that spark in a sense. Yeah great question so it is about for me trying lots of things and being, and I said this earlier, being purposely counterintuitive. And by that, I mean this. So I will go, so say we're living in Venice in LA at the moment, and there are several ways to walk to coffee shops or, you know, my gym and things. So my automatic reaction is, okay, I know that path. I'm going to walk that path. And so what I do purposely in my mind is I say, right, today I'm going to walk a different path. Now that's a really simple example but it's also kind of a metaphor for life so I'm purposely every day scaring myself a little bit or purposely getting a little bit uncomfortable and I'll also and people can you know just go to a different suburb or go into a different store that you've never been into and just look around and observe because I call them jump points and you might do this as well I see little things that might be the packaging or a font or just a little something that makes me think aha there's something there or another thing to look out for is as I said earlier um, things that really annoy you or piss you off or agitate you or times in your life when there's been adversity 
those things also are uncomfortable, but that can be where your most creative moments come from because you start to go, oh, that's really annoying me. So then I go, oh, is there a business idea there? Is there a book I can write about that? Is there something there? So I'm really um, a seeker and a synthesizer, I think. So I, I look out all the time for inspiration everywhere, everywhere I go, even, you know, Charlie the puppy, I look at him and I go, oh, wow, look at how he does that. Or what can I learn there? So I'm constantly inquisitive, curious, seeking, uh, looking at different things. And then when I, the word synthesize is because I'll take lots of little things that I've seen or heard or learned and I'll go, oh my gosh, all of that together comes to give me some sense of creativity from which to create um, something that is unique of my own. So yeah, I see opportunities everywhere and it's a fun game. I would say anyone who's listening, just go out and walk in nature or go to a different store or a different restaurant or walk a different way or, you know, push yourself a little bit, listen to a different podcast and then see, you know, what can you do with that? What does that bring up for you? And that's where I really get my creative juices flowing and we now produce 40 to 60 products a year, you know, books, journals, affirmation cards, everything for people to be inspired and educated. And every single one of those products I ideate. So I never have a shortage of ideas. I don't write them all anymore. I have a, an amazing team of, you know, writers and editors and sub-editors and designers. But um, yeah, I just, I never have a shortage of ideas because I'm inquisitive and curious. Yeah, and I like what you were saying as well about just even switching up your environment because I find sometimes if I'm trying to come up with an idea, you can stare at your computer screen for, you know, an hour and come up with not too much and then I'll get my best ideas if I'm going for a walk or even in the shower or just something to switch it up a little bit away from a screen perhaps. Because it's, it's, um, it's the art of surrender and letting go and it's it is counterintuitive right because so much of the time we think oh I just I need to force this I need to control it I need to keep doing this I'm just going to sit here until it comes but actually and again another tip I would say to people exactly what you just said if you're in that kind of frenetic space and it's just not coming and you're getting frustrated allow yourself again the time and space and I think this is also why I love exercise so much and me time it's because I cannot be disrupted and my you know greatest ideas often come when I'm going for a run or I'm in a yoga class or doing breath work and suddenly it's like oh wow because you've emptied your mind and you've allowed these ideas and other thoughts and creativity to come in so yeah I always do my best work when I'm away from the computer and then I come back and I'm like oh my gosh go 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 so good (laughs) (laughs) are you able to share some of the projects you're working on at the moment and what's coming up for you I guess and for collective hub I guess going into the new year really yeah so it's been a really big year for me so and and I'll try and unpack a few lessons here I mean we've been through now 17 rounds of IVF over the last eight years and we've been 
renovating a house and then we decided to move countries and there's been a lot going on in my personal life which is where the rituals and the routines you know and the disciplines and the exercise and the nutrition all come into play and are absolutely paramount to keep my mental health and my mindset you know stable through all those times and for collective hub it's probably the most excited I've been since I launched the magazine in 2013 because again coming back to newness um, trying to tackle the US and I've had many kind of false attempts and false starts so I'll just go back a little and you can use whatever you want of this but 2013 when I launched the magazine it was in the US which was amazing 2014 I did a global rights deal with Simon and Schuster for my first book in the series Daring and Disruptive but it absolutely flopped um, I think because I wasn't over here and you know I wasn't on the ground and I didn't really understand the market so that was interesting I then had several kind of false attempts thinking well I'll get a distributor over here and then I got a literary agent and I was trying to go down the traditional path and finally I feel like I'm finally having a go and this is my fourth time in the US this year and the first three times I just listened observed I let my ego go you know not a lot of a lot of people might kind of know collective hub of me in Australia here no one knows or cares so I just went around and chatted to people like what products do you want I talked to shop owners you know what lifestyle products sell really well and I just left everything at the door and then um the second trip I went to um I hired a sales agent I now have 15 sales agents in the U.S. and went to a trade fair shop object in New York and then the sales agents went to one in Atlanta LA and Vegas and within the next four weeks we we're in 132 stores and so it's really growing right but it takes time and I really believe you've got to you know leave your ego at the door and just kind of go back to basics and that beginner's mind again and so I'm really excited about 2023 our new products but also what's you know really starting to happen in the US so I'm spending time over here at the moment really working with content creators and influencers and uh, you know attending events speaking at events doing sampling at events so anything really to get the brand out there and I think there's a beauty in the startup phase again and I feel like we're very much in our infancy over here so yeah 2023 will be a mashup of hopefully having a baby finally after eight years <laughs> but that's another story for another time um expanding you know the brand and all of our beautiful products into the U.S. and then probably spending a lot of time back at where we love now which is Bangalore near Byron Bay in Australia so yeah I think we'll be sort of traversing the globe growing the brand and trying to grow babies so watch this space <laughs> Oh, big. We'll have to catch up again at the end of next year and see how what a big year you've got, got for 2023 in store. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm happy to mention on the podcast as well that, and you can leave this in or not, but I we originally started talking, which was beautiful, about you know getting my body back after so many rounds of IVF and, and I went on a fabulous journey for seven weeks and like had this massive transformation then then I decided to jump back in get brave again and jump back into the IVF journey so hopefully once we have a, a good result and I actually you know go through that again we can talk more about that which I'm I'm excited about absolutely and one brand that you're working with is the hair care brand Purology and I'd love to know why did you decide to partner with them and what kind of excites you about working for the brand so 
It's really, it's an interesting question and I'm in a weird space because in a way, and I don't like the word influencer at all, let's call it content creator, but a lot of brands I'm very fortunate approach me to, you know, either represent them or promote them and I think, you know, that's a an easy thing to do when you've got a relatively large following these days, but I'm very conscious um, and thoughtful and considered about who I choose to work with. And I really, when Purology approached me, I really love what they stand for. I love their ethos. I love their, you know, their caring for the environment. I love that, you know, their products are so sort of healthy and they actually work. <laughs> um, and I just thought, and their, their piece for me was about integrity. And I just thought, well, that really fits. So it's been a beautiful brand to work for um, and with. And I really, you know, stand behind what they stand for so yeah it's just a really beautiful fit yeah that's something I was thinking about the um, the way you make decisions so whether it's um, maybe with someone you work with or about a, a move going forward or any sort of change and I think sometimes when we're faced with a decision or a choice we kind of almost go through a little bit of process to think oh what's the what way am I going to go with this and I wondered for you do you almost have a, a process that you work through when it comes to making a decision or a choice in any sort of area of your life? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I mean, for anyone who follows me on social media, which is just Lisa Messenger, I'm like very raw, you know, I just, whatever I'm doing in the moment is kind of unedited and you just get what you get, right? And so a lot of brands, which I feel very grateful and fortunate for, who approached me like recently, um, a, a razor company approached me and I was like, and it was, it was great money, you know? And so, but this is where we need to make decisions. Cause I was like, I am not the kind of girl who's going to, you know, get on the gram and start shaving my legs for everyone to see like, it's just not going to work for me. Right. So I'm very considered in what I do because I just want to be very real always with, you know, our community. And I want for me, it's about being relatable and attainable. It's not about being someone who's doing something that doesn't fit or align with what I'm doing. And I think, you know, people smell that a mile away and it's just not who I am. And I think this is probably a really important lesson for other people as well. Like no amount of money in the world, you know, is worth something like that. And sometimes the power of no is more important than the power of yes because it opens you up to other things and we didn't really talk about my adversity with the mag but I 2017 I nearly lost everything and um, there was a time when I thought oh gosh I'll just sell this and you know and then eventually and this is a whole other story and I've written a book risk and resilience if anyone wants to read about what not to do with a business but I ended up getting offered quite a lot of money from another media brand but with that came, literally they said, oh, we can probably squash you in a corner somewhere and I was going to need to be tied there for four years. And I thought, oh my gosh, no amount of money on the planet could have something that I believe so passionately and wholeheartedly in, you know, be squashed in the corner and have four years of my life being corporatized. And so with that, I made a decision in the split second, like, no, I don't want the money. I, I can burn it to the ground and rebuild it, you know. So I think it's really important who and what we choose to align ourselves with in life. And coming back to the Purology question, it just felt right. You know, I did a lot of research into them as a brand and I like what they stand for and it just kind of works. <laughs> 
I love what you were saying about the power of the word no. I think that's something that people are talking about more and more in any part of our life that actually sometimes I think especially as women we can be so worried to say no to things sometimes and you know we accept maybe things on our plate that perhaps we can't you know we'll struggle to juggle or for our mental load and things like that you know that word no can hold so much power can't it absolutely and you know I'm a very slow learner when it comes to this because I'm a people pleaser (laughs) so for years you know people would and still sometimes I really have to catch myself in the moment you know people will say do you want to come and do this? And I'll be like, yes. And now I really have to try and stop and think, do I really want to do that? Do I really have time for that? Does it feed my soul? Like, you know what I mean? Because time is precious and it's only, it's our only finite resource. So it's like, we really need to be careful. And also in business, and I see this a lot and a lot of people that I mentor, they'll be like, oh my gosh, I just got my first client. And, but it's totally not aligned with you know, what they want to do, or there's a myriad of other things. And sometimes it's really hard when you're like, okay, this is a big chunk of money, but it doesn't align. Do I take the money or am I courageous enough to say no and wait for something that does align? And there's all sorts of things that play into that, of course, because sometimes, you know, people need to take something that doesn't necessarily align just to get through and be able to make enough money to find something that does align. So it's, you know, different for everyone. But I would say be unafraid to know what your not negotiables, um, your values, your belief system, and, you know, be unafraid to say no to all sorts of things. It's very powerful once you let yourself. (laughs) And we kind of touched on it earlier, but this time of the pandemic, the impact that it's had on the working world, you know, thinking about how we work, the role work plays in our lives, what our the so-called nine to five looks like. I wondered what changes you've welcomed or not welcomed, perhaps, in that sense. And, you know, what do you want to see in the future for how we work? Well, the funny thing about all of this is not that any of that was funny, but um, I decentralized my office in April 2018. And then I wrote a book called Work From Wherever. And the funny thing about that is at the time, and you'll relate to this from, you know, magazine land, I had a big office in Sydney and, you know, it was a a penthouse office and it cost me a fortune and all of my staff, I thought, you know, you all need to come to work. And I equated, you know, bums on seats and time in office as, you know, productivity. And when I really thought about it, at the time I had 34 full-time staff in Sydney, in, in the office. And then when I really unpacked it, I thought only three of them are actually writers. The rest of my workforce were actually all freelancers. And the pivotal moment for me was when my editor at the time, Amy, um, said to me, can I go traveling for four months around South America, I think, and still work? you know, and get paid a full-time salary and be the editor of the magazine. And initially I was like, what are you talking about? No. And then I was like, why not? I mean, it's a very obvious output. If, if you're not delivering me a magazine at the end of every month, then it's clearly not working. So I took the risk with her and you know what? I think she did her best work ever. And when she came back to Australia, she said, you know, can I move to Kayama and work from there? And I was like, yeah, why not? And it was actually that that changed my entire thinking. I was like, so many of my actual workforce don't even work in the office. I've got all these, you know, 
34 people, but my bookkeeper, Kate, has been with me 15 years and she's never been a full-time staff member. Kev, my IT guy, has been with me about 12 years. He's never been full-time. So I wrote the book, Work From Wherever, which came out pre-pandemic. So I'd already kind of got my training wheels on. I've kind of left my ego at the door. I was like, oh my gosh, I work from home again. And then I was speaking around the world. So I actually got asked to speak for HP in Houston in March 2020 on the very theme, work from wherever. And that was right when the pandemic hit and I was about to get on a plane and three days before they said, we need to do it remotely. And so everything changed. But I feel quite fortunate that unlike so many people who suddenly had the rug pulled out from under them and it was really discombobulating and you know unnerving and how on earth do we mitigate or how do we navigate this but for me I'd already had sort of two years of training so I felt prepared and I feel fortunate that I've been able to do a lot of sort of speaking gigs and writing about it since and through that time and support other people um so for me I think whilst, you know, it was a horrible time in many ways, I think, and people would agree or disagree, Elon Musk might not agree, but he was very vocal about everyone needs to come to the office. But I think, you know, that it's been wonderful in many ways for mental health and mindset to give people more flexibility and freedom and, you know, let people work more on their own terms in a way that works for them. And the thing about me now is my team are all over the world uh, across multiple time zones you know we have a lot of mamas and the nice thing is if they want to pick their kids up from school at three or you know they want to go to yoga in the middle of the day or all day quite frankly if they want to (laughs) I'm okay with it because it's now much more and that's been me having to make the mindset change around it's based on productivity and output as opposed to me just you know, looking at you in an office all day. So I've welcomed the changes. I do know that you know it's been tricky for a lot of particularly bricks and mortar businesses, hairdressers, restaurants, but I think it's also got people thinking differently about you know how they digitize part of their business or how they're able to offer something different online. And so I think we saw incredible innovation through that time, and I really hope that people don't forget it and that they take those lessons and they continue to you know innovate and future proof for whatever comes next because I mean floods wars pandemics you know as I said earlier we don't necessarily always or often have control of what comes at us and so I think what we can do is you know prepare and be as flexible as possible. This episode of Uninterrupted was hosted by Alex Davies and produced by me, Lisa Gebelagen. For more from us, pick up a copy of our latest issue with Hilary Duff on the cover. Find it on newsstands or online via Apple News Plus. Visit us at womenshealth.com.au and follow us on Instagram at womenshealthaus. And that, my friends, is our last episode of the year. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this year on Uninterrupted. We appreciate you so much. Hope you have a wonderful Christmas and New Year and we'll be back with more empowering chats in 2023. See you next time. Oh, see you next year. <laughs>